Welcome to the Financial Planners South Africa podcast, a show dedicated to driving the positive evolution of financial advice, specifically in South Africa. To join a global community of financial advisors, sharing and learning with one another to drive the positive evolution of financial advice, head to xyadvisor.com. Portfolio Metrics is thrilled to bring you this podcast in support of our common passion for people and the evolution of wealth management. Our global business links precision investment management to expert financial advice through partnerships and technology. Visual, interactive, meaningful, productive. Four values underpinning AssetMap, a financial planning platform loved by advisors and their clients. This episode is proudly brought to you by Alan Gray. They say it's important to live for today. Although that might be true, we can't forget to plan for tomorrow. There's a lot of it left, after all. Alan Gray is an authorized financial services provider. Visit www.alangray.co.za to learn how we build long-term wealth for clients. Good afternoon to another episode of Financial Planners South Africa podcast and today with me I have the pleasure to introduce Michelle Hoskin who might be a household name for a lot of us but for those of of us that haven't heard of Michelle, over to Michelle to give us a brief intro of who she is and what she's up to. Hi, Louis. Thank you for inviting me. It's an absolute pleasure to be here. Um, yeah, so I'm uh, Michelle Hoskin, also known as Little Miss Wow. Um, I have uh, pleasantly um, kept hold of that title for about um, 15 or so years, um, being quite new to the profession when I was only 20. So I'm nearly 25 years into this uh, magical profession that we call home. Um, always been a coach and uh, a supporter of financial planners and their firms. And fundamentally, Louis, the thing that I suppose been that has been driving me every day since um, coming into this profession is this, you know, innate desire to turn what are effectively financial planners who find themselves running practices into businessmen, businesswomen, business people that are are actually running sustainable, repeatable, successful firms that are are not killing them off in the process, and this total strive for professional excellence. And it's kept me out of trouble for quite a few years. And there's actually so much in what you just said, you know, from the part of like carrying on without killing yourself and then also, yeah. you know, moving to a profession and, and the service of excellence. I wanted to comment and say there's, there's nothing little about you in terms of <laughs> presence that you have and the contributions that you make. So I'm not sure why little Miss Wow. But. I know, yeah. Because <laughs> I'm only like five foot two. I'm like uh, a little pocket rocket. Uh, in the Netherlands, they call they don't call me Little Miss Well. They call me the pocket rocket. Pocket rocket. <laughs> the pocket rocket. Yeah. Brilliant, brilliant. <laughs> Can you share with us a little bit about Standards International, you know, the services that you offer? I'd love to just unpack maybe parts of that and what would be yeah. beneficial to the South African audience as well. Yeah. So obviously, you know, we're a UK-based business, but we have and have had the privilege of working with financial planning firms and planners all over the world. So I think, you know, when I when I've gone along the journey of of developing this business, and there's now eleven of us in this in this team, um, you know, we are very much focused on 
um, when planners and advisors say they want to achieve a certain thing in their practice or they want to, you know, restructure their business or achieve excellence in their operations or, you know, Standards International is the body um, that globally has set specific benchmarks in different sectors of our sector. And I'll talk about those in a minute. But ultimately, if you're going to if you're going to do something, do it properly. And these are the standards by which they should be done against like these benchmarks. So Standards International is a training certification and consultancy organization um, founded by me um, what seems like a lifetime ago actually but we've only got a business that operates in financial services so we've never been planners any of us as a team so it definitely gives us a unique outlook as a collective over the sector so we don't think like financial planners and a lot of coaches and consultants that exist in this sector are ex-IFAs um, and that's, I think, not helpful at all because it's the same stuff circulating. Actually, a different perspective is what's needed. So, so really, we help firms and planners who know what they want to achieve in business, but they actually have no idea how to get it, how to get there, how to achieve it, how to structure their businesses. So, you know, we've got um, all of our work um, is benchmarked against these um, British and international standards. And then we effectively support, train, um, and assess firms, planners, power planners, um, and compliance departments in line with these standards to make sure that they're meeting them. Uh, obviously, the subject of our topic today is this piece around um, financial abuse. And more recently, we introduced um, a certification training program for planners and advisors who want to increase their skills and knowledge in the area of um, spotting and supporting clients who are experiencing or maybe experiencing economic abuse and financial abuse and um, other areas like coercive control because um, it's a huge skills gap in the sector globally um, and um, you know the stats prove that financial planners and advisors have no idea how to um, spot or even support clients who should and may have fell, fallen victim to um, this horrific type of abuse. Yeah and it sounds like you're kind of lifting up these advisors and giving them the skills but also you know creating a global body to benchmark your practice yeah. against. What would yeah. be the typical size of a business that would come to to you and, you know, or, or like what is the process that you would take them through? Do you kick the tires and say, hey, this is broken or you just say, hey, here's your framework and let's start building towards that? Well, it's, you know, in, in terms of, so we, you know, we call it internally a sales process, but actually it's just a journey. So, you know, this morning, you know, I've had a guy on the phone who runs a tiny little estate planning business with his brother, you know, and really he just needs a bit of a, a I, I, you know, I, the word I use is a straightener. Like, you know, typically a, a planner will come to us or a business owner will come to us and say, you know, it's, I just know it's not working, like stuff's not happening the way it should, or, you know, the team aren't happy. And especially with COVID more recently, Louis, obviously we've had, you know, firms who have had to deploy staff all over the country, all over the world. You know, I had a firm who had his practice manager in Dubai, stuck in Dubai on holiday and couldn't get back into the UK, like this kind of thing. So, you know, what's what the pandemic has actually done, and this is why we're super busy at the moment, particularly is because firms and business owners and planners have realized that their businesses are not set up correctly so you know often it's it's literally like i know this is not right but i don't know what to do about it because they're trying to run these businesses so we have a the first part part of our process is we have a, a wow workshop and this is just a open event we've got one coming up on the 7th of july 
open event. Um, we do it at our cost. There's no no charge to the advisor because I want them to all come and I want them to send their teams as well. And it's a real whistle stop tour through, you know, what does best look like? If you're going to do something, if you're going to run a practice, these are my top concepts that I want to share with you. And I run those workshops. And then, you know, many, and this is a wonderful thing, many are able to then, you know, dive in with their own support teams and, and crack on and make some of these fundamental changes. And I'm super happy with that. Like, it, like it's, it's, you know, we give this away as a gift for a reason. It's because of we want the reach. And we've had, you know, we've had advisors from South Africa, from Australia join. And in fact, we've got probably the majority of the bookings for the July workshop are Australians, which is quite ironic given the fact that it's like the middle of the night for them. <laughs> but anyway, um, and um, and then we would do a, what we call a, an eight principles review where we go into their businesses and we literally pick it apart. We literally find out every, go into every nook and cranny to see what's happening, why things aren't working with the simple objective of, you know, most firms will experience in will experience lots of symptoms, issues, dramas, problems. What we aim to do is once we've understood what those symptoms and problems are, we then look to roll those uphill to find the root cause of them. So our advice and all then our solutions that when we apply are to fix the root cause of the problem so the symptoms don't ever happen in the first place, right? Which is just logical if you think about it, but a, a logical concept which is missed by many. Um, and then we move on to, we've got a WOW program where it's a two-year business transformation program for planners that are really serious about transitioning their business from WOW to WOW, you know, to really get them kind of kicking off um, on the right foot, whether they be looking to exit. And then we've got our certification services where we literally train and assess firms against these sector international and British standards. And it, uh, it it's, it's gone crazy busy because of mainly COVID and they've realized that there's more to life than being chained to your desk, just seeing clients every day and they want a sustainable business and they realize they don't know how to do it on their own. And that's when they come to us. Yeah, what a wake up call this pandemic has been. Just to oh, say, hey, let's figure out how to balance this. I'm wondering, like, do you see the same theme repeating in terms of mm -hmm. you know, maybe the owner's mindset or, you know, people sabotaging their own business? Or what are the common things that are that are repeating that business yeah. owners should be on the lookout for? Yeah, and, you, and, you, and, and actually there are. And these eight principles, this review that we do um, – it was it was several years ago now, but I um I'll tell you the kind of backstory to answer that question, and then I'll give you the the number one killer killer reason this is a, a problem. Um, several years ago, I went into a firm and I sat in the I sat in the reception, and this is when I was doing one to one coaching specifically. Now I just do the workshop stuff, and I sat in this reception, and there was a, a cabinet to my left which was full of awards. I'm not joking. It was like Bling City. Like there were gold ones in there, glass ones, silver ones, shiny ones, black. I mean, it was full. And I sat in this reception thinking, you know, what on earth am I actually doing here? And I had like a bit of a crisis of confidence that I was having a girl day or a, I don't know, but I was having a bit of a crisis of confidence. And like, here we come. You know, like, honestly, like I was, I was still just sitting there looking at these awards to my left going, what am I doing here? They must have this stitched up, right? And uh, I went into the boardroom and sat down with the with business owners. And as I do in my way, you know, my opening is, so how's it going? I always open a, a me first meeting with how's it going? And um, these guys had brought me in to have two days with them and all their teams. And I, I swear to you, for the first hour and a half, 
it was like they just puked up on me. Like they gave me every issue. Like they, it just kept coming, it, honestly. And I was, I sat there and I never said a word. I was just writing the stuff down. And what I effectively realized was that there was some root cause problems and every single issue they told me they had, I linked it back to one or more of these eight principal areas that they needed to, to tackle. But the fundamental problem of, of all of that, which is the, always the killer reason is planners who run businesses need to get out of their own way. And that's because as a job, if you think about what they do, they, they, they charge into the lives of their clients, making dreams come true, you know, making all these dreams and aspirations a reality and getting these clients to retire early and all these wonderful things. And that same kind of knight and nitrous and shining armor approach, they think they can apply to their own business, but they have no idea what they're doing. So what makes them a wonderful financial planner doesn't make a good business owner. And they miss that a lot. So, you know, when I talk about, you know, how do we turn an industry into a profession, we turn a profession into a business. That's how we're going to do it. We turn an industry into a profession and into a business. And then, you know, we'll crack it. But that is, it's them getting out of their own way and stop feeling, uh, uh, you know, that they can fix all their own problems because they don't know how to run businesses, but they know how to be amazing financial planners. And it's a lifetime's worth of work. That's, this is what this is what we do every single day, all day, day in, day out. That's so interesting. Is that a lack of training, or is it a lack of you know being too close to your subject, or kind of trying no, it's, to project? It's having too, no, it's having no. It's having too big a ego, Louis. Ah, it's ego. Like you know, we're a we're a very male dominated sector, and unfortunately, ego rules. You know, ego is the enemy in our sector, um, and you only have to you know hang out at a conference to see it right but you know ego is a bit of a problem and you know i you know planners mainly uh, and, and actually female planners are, are often equally as bad because you know they they often feel like they're the alpha female and they have to do it as well as the boys um uh, and you know and, and what they do is you know they're not very good at asking for help they're they're so used to being asked for help you having all the answers you coming up with all the solutions that when their team members go to them and say well, what do we do here they try and cobble together some strategy or solution to transition their business or you know change the way that things are working in operations or hr they haven't got a clue what they're doing so yeah it is a lack of skill but it starts with this position of well i'm a planner i can do anything i've been told i'm amazing you know i've got the qualifications to prove it but i have no idea how to run a business you know, so without being really brutally honest, you know, I mean, that is quite honest, but you know, that, that's what, that's what we're dealing with. Yeah. It's a bit of a reality with. check actually saying, you know, what are your, what are your strengths? What are your skills? Where can you make the biggest mm-hmm. impact with your time? Cause I guess, you know, that's like you said, the skill set that a financial planner has versus a CEO of a business, yeah. two very different skill sets. It, it couldn't be any more different. Yeah. Absolutely. Louis. I mean, it, honestly, it couldn't be any more different if it tried. You know, one's one's relationship driven, and one needs to be commercially driven. To- totally different. Like it's it's like this. It's like an ident like an identity crisis. Um, but yeah, it's it's a it's a huge problem. I mean, there was one time I sat on a panel, and um, and I think I was having a bad day <laughs> actually when I got asked this question. But this um, this this the chair of this panel said to me, you know, when Michelle, when are we actually going to see some real change in this sector? And I literally pointed to the audience and said, when this lot die off, <laughs> I think I was having a bad day, but, but the point is still valid. Like, unless 
this new generation really kicks in with, you know, some real innovation and this willingness to gain help and seek help. Um, we're going to just keep going around in circles. Yeah, yeah. And are you seeing that? Are you seeing a new generation, people approaching things with a more commercial hat on? Or is it really get out of the way and you know, hire someone to actually do that job and do it? it it's a mixture. I think what you've got, honestly, if I if I break it down, so let's imagine you've got the children of financial planners taking over businesses. So let's look at that sector. Most of the planning practices that they're taking over have been run by a, a man, you know, a, a male planner. And therefore, there's a little bit of, I'm going to prove to dad that I can do it like he did. Okay, there's a lot of that going on. There's a lot of, well, dad put the hours in, so I'm going to show him. It's almost like the, the the child that's proving something to dad. There's a lot of that going on. And it breaks me when I see it because the decade or the generation that dad lived in and dad developed a financial planning practice is totally different to the one that's being done now. Often um, in that scenario, you know, we as a team get brought in by dad, for example, because dad's going, I clearly didn't do it right. So I want to help the children get it right. So we've got a lot of clients who are family run businesses and we've been brought in by dad and we help and work alongside the, the, the next generation, the children who are taking over the planning practice to do it right first time. So so they don't have to try and fuffle their way through for 25 years to try and get to where dad got to, right? They, they're doing it right first time. But then there's the kind of the ego's been passed down to the next generation of, well, I'm dead smart and I can use tech. So tech's my answer. Tech isn't the answer to running a financial planning practice. Um, there's a whole heap of other skills and abilities needed outside of tech. But, you know, this next generation is thinking, well, I'll just I'll just throw a load of technology at it and digitalize everything. That's a recipe for disaster as well, because that's not going to work either. But then you've got the 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 youth that are saying, actually, that model that's just been for the last 25 years is totally broken. I'm going to redesign the whole flipping lot and I'm going to do it based on my authentic way. And those are the ones that whilst they need help, they are the most authentically run financial planning practices that I've seen in this generation. And I, I love them. I absolutely love working with them because they're so open and receptive to it. Um, there's no ego, no ego at all. It's like, I want to do this. I can see it. I have no idea how to do it. Can you help us? And they're the best ones because we, we nail it. We nail it together. It's a collaboration. Oh, that sounds so interesting. Like these these firms that, you know, you mentioned the authenticity and shining through. I'm thinking that, you know, the approach to building a business and actually then taking it from an existing business and scaling that is two very different skill sets that you also require. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think I think one of the things that planners struggle with is being tough. And, you know, they could walk out of a, an amazing client meeting, you know, regardless of the generation. Um you know, and if you think about it, you know, we, we talk about different generations just there, Louis. Like if we take, you know, the generation of the now 50, 60 year olds who are running firms, there's only one reason that they have got the success that they have got. And that is absolute ball breaking, sheer hard graft, hard work. They have put in, they've missed their children's events. They've probably got broken marriages. You know, they've missed holidays. They've been working on Christmas Day. It's been sheer hard work. And the, the generation that's now emerging has seen that and has actually gone, nah, 
I actually want a life. Like I don't want to do that. I want to be there for my kids. I want to go to school events. I want to be there for my wife and my partners and my husbands or whatever it might be. And it, it, it so they get to this piece around having a lifestyle business. So they build it, but having a lifestyle business that's centered around you and, you know, ultimately there's the leader in that business as the owner. They're only then making decisions based on the best interests of their lifestyle. Okay. Very, it's quite simple. It's a simple model. But then they go, oh God, I need another advisor and I need to hire a power planner and I need to this. But then they, the problem is, is that they then still try and run it like a lifestyle business and you can't. There's a, there's a, tur- there's a key that needs to be turned at a certain point. And this is where we help our clients like to turn that key and say, now we need a different structure because it needs a different approach, a different mindset, a different methodology, because that methodology of a lifestyle business will not survive or help in the new business model mentality approach and so on so it's a it's a mental shift but it's also a physical and operational shift as well and this is you know we know that through all the work we've done over the last 20 odd years Um, and that's how all of our services are positioned to help firms through that transition because it's hard on their own it's like when they help clients with their financial planning right you know clients that try to do it on their own make a right mess of it but when they've got a planner helping them it, it, it works and they retire early that clarity between deciding what is it that I, that is most important to me and mm-hmm. like, how do I build something around that or do I build yeah. you know, a bigger legacy through business that lives through and, that? Well, and you know what? And, and also, Louis, I mean, I'm, you know, you've interviewed lots of amazing people and, you know, you'll hear it a lot. You know, I don't, I don't want a big corporate business. Well, why not? Well, I don't want I don't want to have to deal with all that people nonsense, that recruitment and and HR and legal stuff. Well, if you run your business well, you won't need to deal with issues. It's like root cause symptom. So many are preventing themselves from benefiting from their successes and their abilities to be amazing as planners because they don't want to become a corporate. And if I had a pound for every time I'd I don't want to be a big business, it's rubbish. You know, because they're so fearful of, it's crazy. Like, you know, I'm scared of, I'm not a people manager. I don't want to be doing all this HR and people issues. Well, that's fear motivated. They're, they're, They're capping their own potential based on a fear that isn't real because they've not been there yet. It's only what they've been heard, what they've heard or the stories that they've been told or it's craziness. It's a lifetime's worth of work, Louis, honestly. Michelle, you've been talking a lot about, you know, giving yourself the permission to be able to think of a bigger life, like to dream past what you actually think is possible. Can you share with us, you know, where that came from and kind of what that tipping point was where you decided, hey, this is this is something I want for my life? Yeah, one of the, uh, I mean, I've, I've had a wonderful life. You know, I've been, I've been so lucky. You know, I've got a great family. I live away from them. I moved to London from the north of England um, when I was just 19. So I was a very independent young lady. And I was brought up that way. My dad and my mum would always encourage me if I wanted a job to phone up and get it. If I wanted a paper round, you know, if I wanted babysitting jobs, go and get them. So, so I've had, I've been brought up to be very independent. And I think that's the key and first magic ingredient to living a life that, you know, you really want, because, you know, I was always taught and I, I teach this that, you know, if you want something, you have to go and get it. And I think people who have an expectance of, well, you know, it's that person's fault or that person's going to help me, particularly in firms where there's business partners and they have this huge expectation of the other. It's like, well, he's going to do that. Well, why should he? If you want it, 
you get it, you go for it. So, you know, I, I was, you know, and I, I have a huge amount of confidence. So I think this has, you know, this has given me the, the, good, the best position to kind of go for my dreams. We'll talk about that in a second a bit more. But one of the turning points in my life was I was actually watching Coach Carter movie with Samuel L. Jackson in it. And there was this quote in there in the movie, and I actually thought it was a Nelson Mandela quote originally. And it was um, when Timo Cruz in the movie says, um, our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are more powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness that most frightens us. And it was like I'd been hit by a boss, right? That mo Honestly, I remember, and I remember being in my living room, in my old house, and I was like, that's it. That is what I am meant to be doing in this profession because planners and advisors spend all, if not most of their waking day, changing the lives of clients, encouraging them to live bigger lives, more exciting lives, retire early, do the cruise, that actually they themselves have become the poor relation and their lives, their relationships, their dreams and aspirations have taken second place in place of those of the clients. So it's then become, you know, everything that that I've designed in terms of our programs and our, our work has been is the enabler for them to encourage them to not only achieve those goals and aspirations, but smash them out of the park so that, you know, that they literally scare them to death. The, 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 the things that they're setting in their mind to do are, is so scary and so, un, can, you know, they just cannot comprehend how to achieve it. And I just come swooning in with the team going, well, this is how you're going to do that. It's easy. It'll take you two years and it's these eight modules and that's it. Job done. And then I've like, taken away all the excuses. Really? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. And, I, you know, I have this, you know, when I do my little presentations and my speaking gigs, although it's been from my dining table in the last uh, so many months. But, you know, people will say, like, I feel like I can achieve anything after I've listened to you. And that's the little Miss Wild Magic. That's that's the thing I do. And my girlfriends and my mom friends and my family, they feel the same. So, you, you've just got to go for it. We've got we've got a hundred years if we're lucky. If we're lucky on this planet, you've got to just you know live and achieve every little dream you want, big, small, ginormous. So this was part of you growing up. You know your parents giving you that permission, saying that you can actually achieve this. And also, yeah. I'm guessing through experiencing, hey, actually, if I apply my mind and I can do this. And yeah. I wonder if there's two sides of that. Like, what about the times that it actually you know, maybe it doesn't go your way, like from the outside looking yeah. in, it looks like you exude confidence, but I'm sure there's been times yeah. where you said, hey. Oh God, I mean, you know, I've, I've had, I've had my own battles. I mean, you know, I've, I've reasonably come through it unscathed, you know, and I'm a very bouncy, feisty, you know, crack on with life kind of girl. Um, but I've, you know, I've been talking today, like, you know, and I have, I've publicly spoken about it. Like there's been days during the last two years, you know, COVID as well, where I've literally really had to scrape it out of the barrel. Like I've really had to pull all the stops out to just think, you know, come on, let's just put a bit of lipstick on. Let's just go for it, you know, cause it's been hard. So, I mean, this is where, this is where I've been getting involved in training towards uh, mental health certifications and such like, which I'm sure we're going to talk about. Um, but, you know, I think, you know, I, I, um, I think over the years without opening another kind of can of worm, cause this is a whole other interview, right. But, um, you know, I've, I've gone through phases in my life where, 
you know, I've believed that I've been too much for people. Like I've had a few relationships fail, um, you know, just tricky times. And I've always put it down to a limiting belief that I'm just too much for people. Like, and I know I, I know I am, I know I'm a lot to, you know, I'm a pocket rocket. I'm a lot to kind of handle. Um, and, um, but then I realized, um, a little while ago that actually I'm nowhere near enough. And I, even for those that I might be too much for, I am, people need more of what I've got to share in their lives there. You know, I mean, I, I went to have my hair cut this morning and, um, my hairdresser, he said to me, he said, um, he said, do you know Katie? I said, yeah, yeah, I know Katie. I said, we went met for a coffee. It's this local um, artist near where I live. And we'd messaged on Instagram. And she came round to my flat for a coffee and a croissant. And he said, um, he said, she phoned me after she'd been to your house. And she literally said, oh, my God, Felix, I feel like I can do anything being with Michelle. She was only at my house an hour, right? She was literally at my house an hour. And she's like, I feel I can do anything. And he said, and, he, and I was like, oh my God, did she? And he said, yes, yeah. she because that's because you're a, you're a power pill. And given the last few months that we've had, people need a power pill. And so I think I've realized that, you know, to be authentically me is, a, is my superpower. But that's not always been the case. But I think, you know, I've had, I've had firms on the phone to me, you know, business owners, practice managers, power planners, you know, and they're, they're going through tricky times. And, you know, I, for a while through COVID, we did these wow webinars on a Wednesday morning for our client families. And we really included everybody because by goodness, they needed it. So I am confident and I am independent and I am on a mission to change the world one advisor at a time and I will not be stopped. Um, and, and it's likely that, you know, what the work that we're doing today, you know, the true fruits of our labor as a team won't actually be realized until way past my lifetime. Um, so what I know what we're doing now is where, um, you know, we're, we're planting the seeds for a profession that doesn't yet exist. Um, and and we're, we're starting that movement and that, we're, you know, people who join us as clients are joining that movement to become businesses, which will really sustain our profession in the next 20, 30 years, which is why, you know, just having a decent client journey and a fee planning proposition is not going to change the sector into a profession. It's just not, it, you know, it, it hasn't, it hasn't worked and it's not going to be the thing that does it. So yeah, still work to do. I think it's about this you know, community that keeps everyone accountable and pushes them forward yeah. and uh, with you right on there with a lot of other people, you know, that yeah. share the same vision. I want to jump into the mental health stuff. It's something yeah. that's quite close to home and that I have an interest in as well. And, you know, seeing the impact of mental health and just how difficult it is to spot. Talk to us a little bit about the training that you're going through, where that fits in, what you're busy with. And yeah. I guess what like what you've learned from that as well. Oh gosh. I mean, so what so what originally prompted this was um I was and I, I lose I lose kind of I lose the grips with time scales. So apologies if anyone's listened to the story before I'm gone. I'm sure she said that was 2018 because I forget time scales, right? So a few years ago, I was um, I got an email from my team to say that this particular advisor had very um, unusually cancelled all of his arrangements with us. Now, he was having training and he was doing standards with us. And uh, one of the teams said, I, I don't think he's okay. And that, that was all she said to me. So I, I got on the phone straight away and I said to him, I said, you know, what was going on? I said, how are you? He said, I'm not doing very well at all, at all. 
Um, and I said, I said, why? He said, well, you know, can I, can I speak openly with you? And I said, oh my God, of course you can. This client has been a client for like 11 years. And uh, he said, um, I plan to take my own life um, in April this year. And this was, let's say this was the June. Well, the first thing that struck me was how did we not know? Why were we not in touch with him enough? And oh my God, thank God he didn't, right? And well, I explored the conversation further. And basically, he'd had pressures of the regulator. We'd had RDR. You know, obviously, we've we've gone through and the light's at the end of the tunnel for us and we've, we're way past that now. But, you know, he'd gone through a really tricky time. Relationship had broken down. You know, he'd been working every hour God sent for years. Didn't know his, didn't know his children. I was a mess, right? And we talked about it. And, he, and I said, why did you? And he told me the exact date that he was going to take his own life. And I said to him, do you mind me asking why that day? And he said, because that was the day after the life insurance, the um, suicide clause was lifted on my life insurance. Well, I was in bits for days, Louis. Like I, I just, I was so sad for lots of reasons that I just thought we need to do something about this. So then there was other stories. And then I got shipped over to Australia uh, where literally because of the Royal Commission and the changes over there, and financial advisors were literally jumping off bridges, literally taking their own lives because their commissions had been pulled. They were in all sorts of debt. And they, there was like 40 odd deaths in a space of six months. It was just off the scale. So the AFA brought me over and said, look, um, you know, we want you to give them a, a light at the end of the tunnel to give them some hope. And I'm just like, fabulous. I'll do that. I thought I'm good, but I'm not that good. I'll see what I can do. Right. I'll, I'll do my best. So I, I went on stage and I said, I said, um, there's an elephant in the room, and that's called suicide. And my job here is to make sure that we don't lose one more person in our magical family to suicide. And then I went off on my presentation, and the room are just like that. <gasps> like, and I thought, I've just got to go for it. I've just got to confront this head on. Well, since then, I've been doing a lot of work um, training myself, and the team are also training to be mental health first aiders. Um, I'm currently in the process of doing a youth mental health course, predominantly because I have a daughter. I have my daughter has friends, and um, you know I've done the adult course and the youth course, and I'm also going to be training to be an instructor so that we can actually train our teams, our clients' teams on mental health provision, spotting signs, um, and these fundamental conversations and life has never been more crazy than it is today. We've both got a physical life and we've got a digital life. So we've now got two lots of lives running simultaneously. Um, and there was a, the course I've done part of the course this morning was around suicide. And um, it, the, the quote is basically um, when, when life and the pain of life, um, see if I can, yeah, suicide is not chosen it happens when pain exceeds resources for coping with pain, right? Now, that's the ultimate. You know, if you take your own life, and we've had planners take their own lives, um, it's because it's just too much. Well, every part of mental health is basically a shrunk down version of that. So if you can spot it early. So one of the things that I've been encouraging all financial planners to do, advisors, is to become certified mental health first aiders. So that when their clients are having changes in, you know, changes in behavior, uh, strange words being used that are just like, what? That? Why did they say that? They know how to deal with it. And then that work led on to 
um, the work we did with this with the certification for financial abuse specialists because we were recognizing that a lot of planners were when I was talking to them and I was talking about mental health they all they had no idea how to spot it or what to do about it or where to signpost their clients and I'm just like this is horrendous why do you not have these skills you know you know everything about pensions and investments but not about people it just made no sense to me so then I started talking to planners about um well you know what happens when you know money is a, a root cause of mental ill health maybe in financial abuse or coercive control or economic abuse they were oblivious Louis they had no idea what I was talking about so I was just like we need to do something about this which is then when we launched the training certification for planners and advisors to become financial abuse specialists so again they know how to spot identify and signpost clients their clients and their families who may be victim um, or being subjective to some sort of economic or financial abuse and we've got clients all over the world doing that it's a wonderful wonderful thing um but yeah it started as a passion project but it started because of a, a need that um you know we recognized we didn't have certain skills that we needed and it, it turned into training programs and um, support for planners and advisors to be able to just be more amazing at their jobs and possibly I mean I've had three suicide interventions since doing the adult first aid course um, two strangers and one friend and you know I've been able to be I was equipped with this the skills to be able to approach those conversations and you know I may have saved a life I may have saved all three lives I don't know right um so yeah so it's it's a it's a big there's there's a lifetime of work to be done um but planners need to have the skills to um to head these things off for sure does that answer yeah, the question? i can't agree with you more and it, i think it's not necessarily intervening and, and making changes but you know helping someone to to normalize it number one to start talking about yeah. it but also to reach out for help in south yeah. africa and i think globally there's the lifeline organization that mm -hmm. helps financial planners and the general public teach them skills firstly about personal growth and then yeah. some of the counseling skills to potentially one day become a counselor to to help people through mental health and suicidal yeah. ideations and i think you know the impact that you can make and that you're seeing that you're doing with these financial planners and the conversations that they're having i mean the stories that you must hear must be amazing they, they are and I, you know I, I i'm a very opinionated young lady i know i am and you know i there's a huge amount of um there's a there's a a train hurtling through financial services which is you know we're all about financial well-being you know financial planners being taught about financial well-being uh, it's not that it's not just that it's about economic well-being and it's about helping that person become and understand that whole person not just understanding their money and there's all these planners you know running around the uk saying that they're financial well-being experts you know many of them aren't sadly and um, because they don't have the all-round skills to be able to understand the well-being needs um, of their clients and you know one of the you know I bounce in these Facebook groups when you know they're chatting about you know you know what's the top skill of a financial planner and all this that and the other and one of the things that I typed in a few months ago was um, you know seek to understand before you seek to be understood uh, and so many planners fail at that epically like hands down they're just rubbish at that because they they're they're almost listening to be ready with a solution they're listening only to give them a recommendation um and they're listening only to sell them something and that you know that's a broad generalization but many don't have the skills to listen without judgment properly 
And I remember that just quickly. I went to a, a million dollar round table meeting in, in the States a few years ago. And the key opening keynote speaker of the three day conference was, I think it was a guy um, teaching 15,000 financial advisors the art of listening. And I sat in the audience going, wow, like, are we at this level still? Right, really, we're still at the level that all these people need teaching how to listen. Not how to sell, but how to listen. Listen properly. Listen without judgment. Listen by making eye contact. You know, we're, we're still there. We think this profession's progressed. We're still being taught that. Think of, I mean, if you think put that into context, that's off the scale crazy, right? Off the scale crazy. <laughs> There's a lovely term called exquisite listening, which just kind of encapsulates all of that. Oh. And it's something that we, you need to learn, right? It's not just something you wake up one day and like, oh, okay, now I can listen and keep quiet. It's more than that. It's listening to what's not being said. Um, and that's part of, you know, I guess the journey of talking to people saying like, where do I start? Like, what are the skills? So if we jump into the financial abuse training that you're doing, like, are there skills that financial planners need before they start doing that? Or, you know, is it base level enough for people to, to jump in and say, oh, okay, yeah. this is a good place to start learning about yeah, it's, it's base level. It's base level. And we actually um, scale it up. So um, the training is about 10 hours, 10 to 12 hours, depending on and it can be a bit more if you are slow, if you want to learn slowly. I mean, I did it over two days because I wanted I've, I became the second person in the world to be certified to this certification. And I did my own assessment and my own, you know, my own workbook and everything. I didn't get any help from the people that had really kind of worked on the back, back end design. Um, and I did it over two days because I really wanted to soak it in. But it can be an it's it's very much uh, with very little knowledge. There's a lot of case studies in there, scenarios, quizzes, um, you know, to submit some of your own processes and approaches. Um, and it's it's a real tearjerker because some of the stories that we've, you know, people that we've interviewed for the learning material um, is quite deep. And, and I think it's I think it's an eye opener more than it is anything else, um, because you almost finish going really that exists really that type of behavior exists i mean you know one of the stories was um a lady called marie and she she was like in financial services she was like a high-end broker super successful you know she ended up being smashed over the head with a, a a ratchet and locked in a cupboard in her boat um she lost all her money because she was subject to effectively financial abuse and domestic violence from a partner and she was like you would look at her and think well you've got your head screwed on well no you know this is not a it just happens to the poor you know housewife or the vulnerable at home it's not um so it's a real eye opener and you know i had a I did a little LinkedIn live the other day about it. Is a planner had contacted me um, through social media and said, um, you know, I've um, I've been I've been I've been spoken to by a client, and she's opened up that she's being financially abused, and uh, and she said, and I've just spoken to my compliance department, and they've just said nothing other than phone the police, right? And I'm on the phone going, are you flipping joking? Are you for real? And I, I know that that's the response that planners are being told because their compliance departments, their networks have no idea how to deal with it. So the training helps with that as well. And uh, and I said to her, let me just tell you, given the situation that you have just told me about, if you'd have phoned the police, she would now be dead. Very simple, uncomplicated, but she got that advice from her compliance manager. Now this is this is what we're dealing with in this sector. 
Um, they are being confided in about money issues. Um, it's rife within post-separation. So when husbands and wives are, you know, relationships are breaking down. Um, you know, now in the UK, um, economic abuse post-separation is now a criminal offence. Most of the advisors in the UK don't even know about that. So if they're, without realising it, partaking in negotiations that might not be as ethical as they'd like to consider them being in a separating um, relationship, that's now a criminal offence. So it's a huge piece. And this is why the training and the certification exists. But we, as we, as planners ascend through the process of learning more and there's a, an annual assessment at year one where they have to submit further evidence of where they've helped in cases of financial abuse and then it's every two years thereafter there's more learning materials going on the portal and the platform for them to increase their knowledge and you know cpd and because it's it's an ever-changing landscape but it's become and covid has just made it even more commonplace because of issues around money and um, you know, lockdown. And there was a wonderful quote that was on billboards across the UK and it says, um, abusers always work from home. And it didn't say domestic violence abusers or it's abusers. They always work from home, right? And we were in a we were in a global pandemic and we were in lockdown. So yeah. So it's a huge subject, Louis, huge. And I'd be very happy to do, um, you know, a specific podcast with you on it if your listeners would be interested so we can really nail in on some of the signs and the symptoms of, um, of financial abuse and how to spot it and obviously to support. Absolutely. I think in South Africa, it's still something that's in its early days. But as mm -hmm. we start talking more about it, I think, you know, we can push this industry forward. And other than your medical professional, you know, financial planners probably get more face time with their clients in a more safe environment where people can start having discussions about what's really important, yeah. what's going on in their lives. I mean, we're really well suited to spot these things. So can you imagine yeah. the impact like once we can actually spot them and then take people to the resources that they, they so very much need? Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, I had a conversation quickly with a, a planner at the beginning of lockdown and I said to him, you know, are you phoning your clients to see how they're doing mentally and their well-being? He said, that's not my job. I said, well, if it's not your job, whose job is it? I said, do you care about your clients? Oh, yeah, 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 of course I do. I'm like, well, why aren't you phoning them to see how they're, ask them, you know, how's your well-being? How are you feeling? Well, that, you know, that's, that's a bit touchy feeling, Michelle. He said, I, I, don't, I don't have conversations like that with clients. I'm like, well, somebody's got to, and you're the one that holds all their money. And they're all worried about they're worried about money, so therefore, you know. So it, it, it's there's a lot for us to learn in our sector um, and training, like the stuff that we we pump out and the, the 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 materials. It's just invaluable to them. Yeah, yeah. I think even just the specific wording that you use. Someone once said, asking someone how are you doing today is a yeah. lot more digestible. You know, for someone suffering from mental health problems or going through a traumatic event. Yeah. I can deal with today, but I don't have yeah. to deal with, you know, the bigger picture. How's life? Because generally, well, because generally we're okay. But yeah. you're right, you know, that it's, you know, one simple word um, on the end of a sentence, which, you know, how are you, which we all ask all the time, pretty much, um, changes the dynamic of the sentence and could be the difference between somebody opening up and you being the saviour to their, some of the challenges that they're having, or them just saying, yeah, I'm okay, thanks. Yeah, just one on. word, uh, but, okay. but it's the training. It's the training. It's all about knowledge that the sector sadly doesn't quite have yet. 
but we're working to change that. It's brilliant. I mean, it's so exciting. Like where can people get hold of you to find out about the training? Like what's the best place to go and scratch and get a bit more info? Well, you can search for me all over social media. So I'm on LinkedIn, Michelle Hoskin. Uh, I'm on Instagram and I am on Twitter and Facebook as Little Miss Wow. So you're more than welcome to dive in and find me there. Or the best place to get all of the information and downloads and details of our Wow workshops and our events and our certifications is at the website, which is um, standardsinternational.co.uk. And have a little browse around there. You can also subscribe to our mailers um, on there. And it would just be a delight to connect with as many of you as possible um, and see if we can help you in, in any way that you um you may have identified areas that you know you just might feel that you're just not coming up to scratch happy to have a chat thank you so much michelle for the work that you're doing uh, promoting the positive evolution of financial advice and if this wasn't it then i don't know what is (laughs) thanks louis until we chat again bye-bye